Welcome to All Turns and No Breaks. This isn't an ordinary show. This is NASCAR Talk for fans by fans. Hey NASCAR fans, welcome back to another episode of All Turns and No Breaks with Front Row Kenny and somebody a little bit different this time. No, you are not hearing Renee's voice. He is on vacation. He is currently in Florida with his girlfriend right now, so he is doing his thing, enjoying his Labor Day weekend. And this time around, we've got a guest, and I'm going to let our guest introduce himself to this episode because we have a lot to talk about after what happened at Darlington on Labor Day weekend. So with that being said, Mr. Guest, go ahead and reveal yourself. Hey, my name is Brandon. Um, I have been watching NASCAR since about 1999 and came up racing on the short tracks in Southern California, Irwindale Speedway, Orange Show Speedway, eventually sold the race car and went into more the uh, professional working side. So I've worked for a few tracks as well as Series, Charlotte Motor Speedway, Gateway, uh, New Jersey Motorsports Park, Memphis International Raceway, as well as uh, Global Rallycross when that existed. And excited to be here. Yeah, man, that's pretty cool. You've got quite an extensive background. I will say, I think uh, you're one of the few drivers that have ever uh, came on. Obviously, you've got a background in that, so that's pretty dope. Like, tell me, tell us about your day-to-day, what you currently do. Yeah, so right now I do marketing and sales at New Jersey Motorsports Park. Basically, just promoting any event that we might have at the track. Like, next weekend, we've got the Moto America series there, so that'll be a fun one. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. That's pretty cool. Um, I actually do like New Jersey Motorsports Park and uh, <laughs> and iRacing if they ever completely finish that thing. But yes, pretty familiar with that track. That's pretty dope. So it is a holiday weekend. How's your weekend been? It's been good so far. Yesterday went down to the beat for the day and then ended up watching the second half of the race down at a, a sports bar in downtown Philly. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I have not done much with my weekend. Nothing too crazy. I went out, made dinner with my girlfriend. Not, nothing like super over the top. Renee's usually got the crazy weekends. This time he's not here here for this episode. Well, you will hear from him at the end with his predictions for Kansas. But with that being said, I guess it's perfect to segue right into what happened at Darlington. And, you know, Brandon, I got to ask, how do you feel about the race itself? Because I thought it was pretty crazy for a playoff opener. Yeah, it looked like a great race to me. I mean, it looked like the next-gen car delivered again with exciting racing at Darlington. Of course, outside of any you know concerns that Kevin Harvick may have had. But in terms of just the racing itself, the next car or next-gen car delivered again with fantastic racing. Yeah, it was a it was a pretty nuts race. I gotta say. I mean, just you know, just right off the bat. There was a ton of new, a ton of attrition the entire time. Like it was just playoff driver after playoff driver. People get knocked out for whatever reason. It was it was nuts. But I mean, you know, once again, Darlington has delivered. It is absolutely one of my favorite tracks in the schedule. So I'm sure a lot of other people feel the same way about it. But you know, that track is abrasive. It really brings the best out of the drivers, and it's crazy that Eric Jones just happens to win once again. Um, I, for some reason, this is probably the first win that he's had 
I think that I was not in attendance for. I, I believe I was at Daytona when he won at when he won the July race then, and I was also at his first Southern 500 win, which was crazy. That night was just insane with with the hurricane impeding. Like they were trying to get the race in. It was a it was a pretty crazy night. I think that race ended at like two or three in the morning. It was a it literally went to the next day. It was almost like the 24 hours at Darlington at that point. But but yeah, I agree with you 100. percent It was a it was a pretty very, it was a pretty good race, like just overall. The next gen car is it's definitely stood the test of time. We've got what seventeen different winners through twenty seven races already this season. I mean, can't really ask more than that. Like you really can't. Yeah, I, I was actually working for Racing Electronics that Darlington weekend that Jones won. What was it, twenty nineteen, where the race went down to like two thirty a.m. or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that's crazy. So I think like in that sense, that means we probably were at the track at the same time and we had no idea. And look at this. Lo and behold, we ended up crossing paths again as as doing a podcast together. That's yeah. I, I don't know if you got a scanner <laughs> that weekend. I might have delivered it to you. Yeah, you know, because I had, I think I had one. That's crazy, because you know the folks at MRN, they get new ones sometimes, and they roll onto the truck. And I think I had one that weekend, which is crazy. But yeah, that was a wild weekend. The rain was everywhere. I actually still have my media pass that is like drenched. It was drenched in water. It it's still like into pieces. I mean, it's like put together. But like, man, if I looked at that back, I'm like, man, that little pass has a story because it rained like crazy in the afternoon but uh, yeah that was a crazy one eric jones is basically fighting for his job at the time but yeah you know petty gms has resurged and it's crazy 55 years to the day um i think the 43 was last in victory lane at darlington or that was his last uh or petty's last win i forget what it was yeah and so that that was or something a, like a that. rain shortened win as well so a little bit less exciting i was uh, going crazy in the sports bar and nobody really knew what was going on but I've been watching NASCAR <laughs> since 1999 and I've never seen the 43 car go out and win on speed without you know rain ending the race early so I was super excited to yeah. see that last time that happened was 1999 but it's early in the season so I wasn't really paying attention yet and it's also GMS's first win, which I think is getting lost a little bit in all the, the petty stuff. This is really GMS racing in the Cup Series with the petty name on it. And GMS got to celebrate their first victory. So that's really cool as well. Yeah, I mean, historically, it's a huge win in that aspect. And you're right. I think, you know, obviously the petty aspect of it is pretty crazy. You know, GMS is fresh to the Cup Series, but... Again, their philosophy has been very strict that they're like, look, we're really going to go all in for what we have and we're going to try and do as much as we can with a short time. Because I forget the name of the, the folks from GMS. I forget their names, but I do know they are up there in age or a little older. And so they want to win badly and they want to make sure they have a really good program going into the future. I mean, obviously with Noah Graxon coming in the picture next year, that's an interesting ad, obviously, with Ty, not Ty Gibbs, but Ty Dillon's. Uh, departure for next season so you've got Noah Gragson you've got Eric Jones who you know has scraped his way you know through the through the cup series I mean you know it's kind of tough when you think about it and uh, I guess we might as well talk about it now since it's on topic but you know drivers who just I felt like get given up too early in terms of their actual ability because they're in a place where they want win 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 right now it's clear as day I mean think about obviously Eric Jones where he's had to you know fight to make sure he's kept his job at Joe Gibbs at the time obviously that didn't work out long term he went to Petty 
And, you know, things, you know, slowly were working his way. I mean, he had some good results last year, no doubt, for sure. And then, obviously, with the whole Petty GMS thing, that brings a ton of dollars for that team, and it has paid off. And it seems like they've been able to cultivate a really good program around someone they actually believe in. And I think Eric Jones, for the first time in the Cup Series, at least, is in an organization that really believes in him and is really willing to work with him. Because at Gibbs, I mean, it was kind of tough. I mean, he was not necessarily the number one driver. So, you know, he was still young and still learning. Very proven, no doubt. I thought he was a very talented driver coming up through trucks and Xfinity. But again, same thing with Suarez, like with his deal. And he getting bumped up early and then, you know, bounced around for a couple teams. And then finally, at Trackhouse, he breaks through. He gets his first win at Sonoma. Like, you know, it's just those type of things. So, you know, what do you think about you know, driver's development, you know, how long do you think someone should really work with a driver before really truthfully giving up on them? Yeah, it's interesting at Gibbs, we've seen they had to, you know, kick young drivers out earlier than than most would have wanted a number of times, time after time with Joey Logano, remember they got rid of when he hadn't really proved himself yet. And then obviously Mm -hmm. Suarez and Jones here. And now they're kind of in a situation where it's looking like they're going to have to fill the 18 and 19 cars quicker than they may want to, which is kind of an an interesting switch for for that organization. Yeah, I mean, it's just just crazy how that works. But yeah, I mean, it's a really good win from Jones. I'm sure he feels great. I mean, I think he is the first um, driver to actually be a non-playoff, non-chase, and whatever you want to call it, driver to win the opening race since uh, back dating back to 04 when they first started everything with these changes. But yeah, I can't believe we got a playoff spoiler this early. We have had it in the opening round, but I guess it's also a great time to talk about the top 10 because a lot of the top 10 was shaken up and quite a few playoff drivers were shaken up in this uh, race, which I'm kind of glad because, I mean, that's, you know, what you kind of want out of that type of thing. But obviously, Eric Jones, he won. That is his third career win, I believe. That is his second Southern 500. So pretty good for him. Again, great day for Petty GMS. That's a huge one. Second, Denny Hamlin. He was closing in on those last couple laps after a couple lap cars came in the mix, but just was not enough. Just did not have enough time. I felt like if he had a few more laps, he might have got him, but didn't work out that way, but a good point today. Yeah, I was worried about that. Uh, Tyler Reddick. I thought, I thought Denny was going to get him. Yeah. If there were five or ten more laps, I think Denny would have would have had it. Yeah, no, I think the same. Like, they were really close. Like, I thought it was going to happen, but, you know, it just didn't work out for him. But we'll see. We'll see, though. I mean, it's good to see good speed out of that 11 car early on, and uh, I'm sure they'll be great at Kansas where he's won a couple times as well next weekend. But a Tyler Reddick, third, solid day for him as well. Joey Logano came home in fourth. Fifth was Christopher Bell, very, very strong day. Michael McDowell came home in sixth, another great day for the 34. Uh, seventh, Brad Keselowski. Eighth, William Byron. Ninth, a very strong finish for Bubba Wallace, who is in the 45 this weekend for a different reason, not because he's in the playoffs. Obviously, some people for some reason got confused. But for the playoffs, for the, champion, for the owner's championship, a little bit different. Um, so that's why he's in the 45. And to round out the top 10 was Alex Bowman, a very quiet top 10 for him, I must say. And I'm sure that's a great feeling for them because the last month and a half for them have not been great. It's just been very up and down. It seems like after they won at Vegas, it was just like a a weird roller coaster. I don't know. It's just been really weird for the 48. Yeah, the 34 and 6 were the ones that really popped out to me. Great to see them getting those good runs. And Keselowski over the past couple of weeks has, you know, started to get a little more competitive. So hoping for 2023 that maybe we see that six car up in the mix a little bit more. 
Yeah, I mean, I think they just need to obviously continue to grow as a as a younger quote unquote team. At least the way their core is built. Obviously, Roush has been around for Lord knows when, but now with the new name and moniker, things are a little bit different. Chris Busher has looked really good this season. I think it would have been nice to see him make the playoffs. He's been he was very close quite a few times. But yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting to see how they run in 2023. But um, we'll see. I think also what stuck out to me. Obviously, we've had you know two major players in the playoffs have had problems and it was so weird with uh Kyle Bush and Martin Truex because those obviously Martin Truex not in the playoffs but those two had the same not the same exact issue but they both had issues that you know ended their nights rather than a, in a bad fashion I mean Martin Truex was you know still trying to get a win for the season Kyle Bush obviously in the playoffs but an engine failure you know at that time I mean I'm sure you saw the interview but Man, he looked dejected for a lot more reasons than just that night itself. Yeah, I mean, obviously with everything he has going on, and we still don't know for sure where he's going to be next year. I th- It sounded like he just really wants to have success in these playoffs for this 18 team uh, before he likely leaves at the end of the season to go somewhere else. Something I thought was interesting, like you said, the 19 and 18 both had issues while leading and different issues, which is weird for teammates uh, you don't see that very often the 19 mm-hmm. if i'm correct it was a, a power steering issue yeah i think the power steering or the water pump i forget which one it was but one of them went out and it was very yeah strange. so my, what i you know need to find out i guess is i remember with the gen 6 car i i specifically remember this happening to keselowski in the two i believe sometimes power steering would go out and they would just have to wrestle it around but would be able to keep going the 19 had to go into the garage only about what five laps after he first had his issue so i don't know if that's something Mm -hmm. on the next gen or if it was just a little bit of a different issue but yeah yeah yeah, I don't know. I mean, that was a that was a that was a really weird one. Again, like you said, it doesn't really happen too often where it's like two different problems. Usually, it's the same exact problem. Because you're right, even in the Gen Six, I do remember a lot of times like if you saw like Denny Hamlin have like a something fail, whatever it is in the car. Let's just say it's a water pump. Usually, another Gibbs car might also have a have a pump fail or brakes go out or whatever it might be. But yeah, it was really weird. I mean, obviously. A whole lot worse for, you know, Kyle Busch's situation because he's in the playoffs and trying to, you know, still compete for a, a title once more. But, yeah, I mean, I'm sure there's a lot more going on in his head with, like you said, where he's going to go next year. I'm not really sure where he'll end up. I personally have heard a lot of different things, but one that has been touted for some reason from some people was colleague racing. That's been the, you know, one of the rumored places. And honestly, if that was the case, what a weirdly good PR story to have Kyle Busch back in a Chevrolet for one and then number two a team's identity of in quote you know trophy hunting I mean it just goes hand in hand like I think that's just a really good mix together for a driver of his age and you know where he's at currently because I'm sure obviously he's got plenty of wins but I'm sure the only other thing he probably would want is another you know another another championship to his name I mean not that he's not a hall of fame or first ballot by any means but I think maybe that is where he lands I mean where do you think he's gonna land yeah I mean I think colleague would be a really good fit if that's what ends up happening and he can kind of play the role that AJ Allmendinger played for them in the Xfinity series you know kind of be there to to grow the team and uh, lead the younger drivers and potentially, you know, just the younger team in general about how you do win these races and championships in the Cup Series. 
Yeah, no, most definitely. That is 100% true. I think that's why, like you said, I think it could be a pretty good match for, for that team. But I guess we'll see what happens. I mean, obviously, we've still got a few more months left in the season. Well, it'll be here before we know it. That first playoff race, nine weeks to go. I mean, it's, it's going to be here before we know it. And next thing you know, we'll be talking about Phoenix. But speaking of, you know, different things with cars and, and other people having problems in the playoffs. Uh, Kevin Harvick, obviously, who is, you know, currently sitting on the outside looking in after his car caught on fire, which was insane. And, you know, Harvick kind of sounded off on that. He wasn't very happy about it. Um, you know, he just talked about some of the parts they've gotten. I guess, again, like you were just talking about, maybe it's a next-gen problem with some of the parts they're getting because they're not necessarily building everything like they used to back in the day yeah so you know this is an interesting situation because obviously with the next gen car they're using a lot of spec parts that the teams don't get to build anymore that the teams previously got to build or make their own decisions on what to purchase at least with yeah 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 so with with the harvick issue the thing is so i'm one of the few fans that actually i really like spec racing because I don't have much of an engineering background myself, and I love following, you know, what what happens when you put all these drivers in the exact same equipment, as opposed to, you know, what team can build the best car. But the problem here with this playoff format, you know, that, that can work if you have a 36 race season and you have a bit of a lottery of maybe everybody will have an issue with the next gen part throughout the season, but it'll even out. But if you're going to take the car out of the team's hands and have these races that are so much more important than other races, when you do have an issue that comes from a spec part during the playoffs, you know, that just, that, that just is a little bit unacceptable. So I, I don't know what the fix is here, but I it, to have this playoff format and also have spec parts that have a potential to fail without the the team you know having any part in that failure is is a little bit of an issue moving forward. I think. Yeah, no, most definitely. I think obviously when you don't have as much control as you used to, you know, it's not like these guys are sitting in a shop. They will, they're able to make their floor panels, their chassis or whatever. It's literally handed down from the manufacturer. So it's like, well, I guess this also comes with quality control. I mean, this is, you know, a bit of a bigger picture item. But when you think about like, in you know, in the aspect of the cars that me and you drive every day, there has been, you know, countless problems with a lot of cars coming off, you know, off the assembly line for the last two years. It's just been a little bit different, you know, where you'll have like parts that normally don't really fail that often end up failing or whatever may happen. I'm sure obviously when it comes to, you know, NASCAR and this thing, this is all very fresh to everyone. This is not like something that they've been doing for the last 20 years. This car is just completely built different. The concept, obviously, of racing a stock car is still there, but otherwise, when it comes down to these new parts, it's like, you know, it's kind of like, almost like what Kevin Harvick is basically explaining. It's like, you get what you get. Sometimes you might get a quality rocker panel, you sometimes you might not. And it just really depends on how the manufacturer is pumping these things out. But I think also with the quickness that they're pumping them out, I think it's also somewhat of a harm because they don't have as much time. Um, I think that was a big issue going into the clash initially. Like a lot of people said, like, look, we don't really have that many parts to you know go for this long obviously we've made it 27 races but we don't know behind the scenes like how quality every single item is so yeah it's a it's a pretty big it's a pretty big deal i would say so but i don't know how it'll shake up but you know harvick is now like really in the 
he's not necessarily in the category of he has to win, but he's definitely going to have to have a good weekend at Kansas to, you know, prevail. But we'll see how that ends up shaking down. But I guess it also wants me to lead into this question for you is, you know, who are your first four out? Because right now it's Cendric, Dylan, Briscoe, and Harvick himself at the very bottom. So who do you think is going to end up being out in the first round? Yeah, I mean, I definitely expect Cindric, Briscoe, and Dylan to fall out. Harvick, you know, it's not a big gap, and and he is good at both Kansas and Bristol. So if his is if his car holds together and he doesn't get caught up in anybody else's issues in Bristol. I think that he might actually dig himself out of this hole. I would be looking, honestly, probably at Daniel Suarez to fall below the cut line uh, because he had, you know, Kansas is not necessarily the type of track that we've seen him run fantastic at. You know, we, we call a top 10 a good day for Suarez at an intermediate, I think, and for a lot of people ahead of him, that's maybe not necessarily the case. And I, I think Harvick just... With as good as he is at Kansas and Bristol, I think he'll climb out of this hole. Yeah, I think he actually might win one, and honestly, Bristol might be it. I don't know, Kansas maybe. I I believe more in Bristol. I've seen obviously seen him win there more than once, but yeah, I think he'll probably as well climb out. I think for me, me and you have pretty much a similar list except for Suarez. I would swap him. I swapped him out for Alex Bowman. I don't think he's going to make it through. That's my personal thought. I've had that before Darlington, but obviously a solid top 10 does help his case. (laughs) It makes it a little bit easier for him going into the next couple rounds. I mean, to the next, you know, two races, but yeah, I mean, wow, I guess uh, that wraps up the top 10 and everything that happened in the race. But yeah, it was a, it was a pretty crazy Darlington playoff opener. I think that race itself is always a treat. It's one of my favorites on the calendar. I don't know about you, but yeah, I absolutely love Darlington. Yeah, and, and coming from the off-track side, you know, I, I mentioned my background, like working for a couple different tracks and stuff. I thought the fireworks that they shot off under green on the first lap was real cool. They they kind of took what Gateway does on the, the pace laps and applied it to the first lap of green flag racing. I thought that was awesome. Yeah, that was pretty nuts. I saw what they did at Gateway earlier this year, too, with the fire. They said they could fill it in a car. They said that's how yeah. hot it was, which is insane. <laughs> yeah, that was that was pretty nuts, I yeah, gotta I th- say. I, I, um, n- yeah. Next thing I want to see a track do now is try that on the white flag lap. Now, that would be pure insanity. <laughs> <laughs> That would be pure insanity, but uh, yeah, it was a, it was quite a playoff opener. Hopefully, Kansas can deliver. I thought the race in the spring was pretty good for what it was worth. I thought uh, it put on a pretty decent show for what it's worth. I mean, I think, honestly, so far through 27-something races, like the next-gen car has been absolutely phenomenal. It It's put on a show. The only thing, clearly, that needs to be worked on and worked out is what the drivers have been talking about a lot all week because, you know, we didn't talk about this earlier, but, you know, Denny Hamlin did not race in the Xfinity race on Saturday because, you know, he was still banged up from his wreck at Daytona. So hopefully they can get the safety down pat because some of these hits that they're taking, not aren't they not aren't necessarily, like, the worst, but I guess because of the stiffness of this car it hurts a lot worse than what it normally does. Yeah, that that's something they're definitely going to have to take a look at this off season because obviously, you know, that's something that with the Kari Tomorrow, which eventually became the Gen 6 chassis, they were really good about having the the crush zones and and you you rarely ever saw a driver get injured from a regular hit. Almost every injury that I remember in the Gen 6 
that really caused a driver to miss a race um, outside of a couple, you know, you had juniors concussions and stuff like that, which might've been a little bit of carryover from the gen four days. But most of the real injuries in the gen six were from when the rear wheels actually came off the ground with like Hamlin and Almirola, where you had issues like that, but, but not from these regular hits. So that, that's definitely something they're going to need to take a look at this off season. Yeah, no, for sure. You're absolutely right. I mean, you're just thinking of some of the injuries, like you had said, that have happened. Yeah, it's only been a few. Almirola, I do remember his, like, clear as day. That was, like, actually, matter of fact, that was the day I graduated college that that wreck happened at uh, Kansas, which I don't know what it is about Kansas. Um, Over the years, I swear that track has had some of the hardest hits or some of the craziest and most bizarre wrecks for a half mile. I don't know what it is about that track, but it seems to be quite a quite a trend for some reason, but... Yeah, I hope they do get that in order, and hopefully next year things will be a whole lot better. I'm really not sure what more they can probably do between now and the last nine races, but yeah, that's that's that, but hopefully it happens. So with that being said, obviously we have talked about Darlington. We've we previewed, well not previewed it, we recapped it. So yeah, that's great, and uh, I think it is time for some predictions if you're ready. All right. It's time for race predictions. All right, so since you're the guest, gonna let you go first so brandon who you got all right well kansas you know i went to take a look back at the next gen races on intermediates and i was surprised there were really only like what four or five races on one and a half miles so far i just got so used through like the the 2000s and 2010s that there's going to be you know 20 mile and a half races I can look at, but really it's just been like one Kansas, <laughs> one Vegas, one Charlotte. Yeah, there not been a lot of one and a half mile tracks like like I thought maybe there were, you know, because they turned Atlanta into this super speedway style track. Texas is down to only one race. So yeah, just in general, you know, I, I know we swapped a lot of them out for road courses and stuff. A lot of them went down to one date. We lost Kentucky. We lost the all-star race at Charlotte for Texas, which is a mile and a half, but they also lost their date for Coda. So anyways, a lot less info to look at than I expected there to be. But it looked like the Toyotas have been real strong So at those tracks. So I'm actually going to take Denny Hamlin because he's really come on in the second half of the season, and I think he'll be real strong at Kansas. That's actually one of my favorite half-mile tracks. I've enjoyed Kansas over the years. That place is, you know, obviously degraded a bit because it gets pretty harsh winters. Um, <laughs> that track gets covered in snow countless times of the year, and it's very, very cold winter. So, you know, that asphalt is broken up, even though they have repaved it recently. But yeah, it's a it's a pretty solid one. And I'm in agreement with you on the Toyotas, and they have been very strong at the half miles, and Kansas in particular. So with that, I'm actually going to go with Denny Hamlin as well as my main pick. And my alternative pick, I am going to go with Chase Elliott. Um, to also win at Kansas. He's also a former Kansas winner. So those are my picks. I'm sticking with them. And last but not least, Renee, who you got? All right, here we go. My picks for Kansas is going to be none other than the closer, Kevin Harvick. Kevin Harvick will win at Kansas. And my alternative pick, I'm going to go with Denny Hamlin. I'm going to go with two veterans. I think the veterans are probably going to be the ones that get their wins out of the way early and solidify their spots in the playoffs. So Kevin Harvick is my main pick. Denny Hamlin is my alternative pick. Those are my picks. I'm sticking with them. Brandon, thank you for coming on. We really do appreciate it. Before we close out, definitely want you to shout out your social media accounts wherever you want people to follow you and you know 
let people know. Yeah, I mean, I'm on Twitter at bshulhoff14, but I don't really post much anything there on my personal account. So I guess if you want to help me out, just go ahead and follow all of New Jersey Motorsports Park's social media accounts so we can sell some more sponsorship. <laughs> there we go. That's what I'm talking about. Nothing wrong with that. Again, once once again, appreciate appreciate you for coming. Renee's on vacation. Renee, we missed you. <laughs> we wish we could have you on as well. But once again, thank you guys for listening to another episode of All Turns No Breaks. Make sure you guys follow us on Twitter at Turns No Breaks. You can also follow us on Instagram at Turns No Breaks as well. And you can follow me on Twitter at Front Row Kenny. And we will catch you guys on another episode of All Turns and No Breaks. Come on now. Y'all know I'm going to stay hydrated. I'll see y'all later. (laughs) Thanks so much for tuning in. 